one of the things that I'm sure we all want to feel is heard. And I do feel like I don't want to hurt Mike's feelings because my mind drifts off. And so again, it, you said it, being present, being intentional, choosing to be fully engaged. You are listening to the Strong Howard Podcast, a podcast where all topics are on the table, from brotherhood and faith, culture and wisdom. So pull up a chair and join us as we talk about the things that build us up and make us strong. Welcome back to the Strong Towers podcast. This is John Ackerman. With me, as always, Mike Lara, Tom Edwards. And we've got a couple extra guests in the studio today. And by studio, I mean we're all sitting in our houses because it's still COVID. Um, but we have um, our wives were kind enough to join us this evening. Uh, because if you caught our episode last time on listening, we realized after you know hitting stop on the equipment that it would probably be a really good idea to you know take a second cut at this and invite some other people into the conversation because it seemed like having three guys sit around talking about listening we were missing about 50 percent of the population so my wife brooke is here tom's wife liz is here and mike's wife janelle is here and so you got six voices coming at you for the usual price of three which is still free so you're getting a good deal on this one Um, but we wanted to circle back on this topic of listening and if you caught the last episode you'll know that where we started off was really just sort of asking, like, how, how do you feel about yourself as a listener? Do you feel like this is a space where, I mean, you, you've spent some time, you've invested some energy and some intentionality, or do you feel like this is a place where you just, as long as you feel like you're following directions, you're in pretty good shape? And I think from that point, we sort of recognize that there were some things that each of us feel like we do pretty well, and there were some areas of growth. And so I'm going to throw this out to the ladies first. And, but honestly, all six of us, I think, as we went back and listened to that first episode, I'm just, I'm curious to see what things came up um, as we listened to ourselves in those first 30 some odd, 40 some odd minutes. Uh, what, what reactions did you have to that, that first conversation on listening? Well, I thought it was funny that all three of you were able to multi-listen to conversations, being in a party or sitting across the table from people, that all three of you are able to do that. And I thought, that is not a skill that I possess because I just need to have locked eyes with somebody um, when I'm talking to them. But I... I, I really enjoyed listening to, to some of the ideas you guys had and talked through. Um, one, one of the things uh, was that you, that you guys talked about was identifying, John, I think you said that you and Brooke do this, of having a, an intentional, we're going to talk about the type of conversation we're having, like this is one you need to be listening to or... Um, you know, this is, I'm just bouncing ideas off kind of conversation. I think that's really, we, I I don't think we've put that name to it. And so that was good to, for me to hear that. Um, 
And the other thing I thought, Mike, that you said was, uh, as you were talking about being a better, how you've become a better listener was on the podcast and doing this makes you a better listener. I, in thinking, okay, I'm going to be on the podcast. I thought, oh my gosh, I, that, that require it's a different listening because you cannot say, yeah, I agree. And you, you can't talk while other people are talking. And I thought that was a perfect way to, to kind of hold yourself back as a listener and not interject. Yeah, man, I hear it. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Which I tend to do because I want the person to know that I'm listening. But um, that gave me a really good uh, viewpoint, a way to hang it in my head of this I don't know. I don't know how you want to phrase that, Mike, but like how you want to coin it, but maybe podcast listening or something like that. It sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to throw it out there, Liz, that I don't think that the three of them are really as good as they think they are at <laughs> listening to multiple conversations. Because I think, I think, I think it was Mike that said, you know, we all have to sort of take a step back and identify how are we doing as listeners? And I think we all, I mean, humans, not just the six of us, but like everyone thinks that we're really good at multitasking. And we're actually really not good at multitasking. I've, I've tried to do the, let me split my brain and listen to one conversation while I'm sort of keeping tabs on another. And I'm dropping the ball on both of them. And I'm, I, I just have to assume that just about everybody else is probably doing the same thing. We think we're better than we are, but we're not as good as we think, and we're not actually engaged as much as we could be in one conversation because we're trying to pay attention to three conversations. But yeah, yeah. We, we are very big on disclaimers. I, I especially, because I know, I mean, guys are wired to come through and solve the problem. And I'm very thankful for that a lot of times with John that, you know, I come to him with something that I'm struggling with in wor with work or a relationship or whatever. And I'm like, I need your perspective. I need your advice. And so then he knows, okay, this is a time that I will listen and then I will offer. And then there are times that I'm just like, I need to just vent and get this off my chest. And so then he just listens and gives me the very encouraging, oh man, that's really tough. I'm really sorry that's happening for you at work or in that friendship or whatever. But yeah, setting that disclaimer at the beginning has helped us tremendously to know what kind of conversation is this? How should I be listening? What do I have to offer? Well, and it's good for the speaker too, to know what they are. <laughs> Is this event session? Are you, do you want feedback? I think for both ends, it's a good thing to establish. Well, I, I also just appreciate the recognition that there are different types of listening, right? So we have podcast listening, apparently. I think you get to coin it, hon, not Mike. Um, <laughs> I never but, get anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is, you know, I, I'm going to vent. I want uh, advice or suggestions. I'm just relaying information. And, and I think even the multiple conversations, that's a, that's a different kind of listening also. Cause like you said, Brooke, you're, you probably are not actually tracking those multiple conversations. In fact, I think the way that Mike, um, you know, was delivering the story about the, the table, 
um, you know, he was, he was pretty much looking for an out from the conversation that he was in. And so, you know, there's something over here that, that I'm more interested in, which I'm definitely going to be paying attention to now when we're all doing dinner together. Um, no, but, but there are different kinds of listening, which I, I think is kind of goes back to our, our original premise of how do we know that we are actually doing a good job situationally of the type of listening that is called for and not just defaulting to a uh-huh uh-huh words are rolling over me kind of listening so i think that that brings up a great point too is is, is setting up the type of listening and we've already said like setting the rules up and the foundation before listening what about the environment because that is one thing that i think we struggle with as as a couple is being able to communicate across the table while we have three little ones screaming mommy mommy daddy daddy and we're trying to fit in those conversations and a lot of time they're you know i don't say serious conversations but they're important conversations and trying to get that i guess time to have these conversations where we, we want to have them at that moment um i said it's difficult most of the times i mean we've, we've oftentimes had to say hey like time out we can't have this conversation until after bedtime right we are not going to be able to have this conversation and that's been hard for me because i'm very forgetful and i often like need to get something like out now or else 7 30 rolls around i don't even remember what i was going to say <laughs> yeah i i think too that goes to the engagement required right we found sometimes it's just nutty, you know, at the dinner table or in the kitchen preparing the meal or whatever, um, that we can't even do like the how was your day conversations because they don't get anywhere, much less, uh, you know, needing to sit down and, and have a real conversation. Um, but I think also, even once the kids are in bed, uh, you know, there have definitely been nights where one or both of us is like, you know, okay, the kids are all down and it's actually quiet. But a serious conversation is not going to happen tonight. Um, you know, whether it was just a hard day or a long day or whatever. And so um, I think you're right in, in like kind of picking the, the right environment for the type of conversation that you're trying to have. I think one of the things that I was really struck by as I went back and, and listened to our first round of conversation was just how many things I identified with that I don't think I realized I identified with the first go around. Um, so even just things like, so Brooke, you already mentioned it. You know, one of the, the classically male things in a conversation is to offer a solution, right? Try to solve the problem. And I was realizing that there are definitely times where that's the last thing I need or want in a conversation with other guys. And you really do have to almost like preface it with the very clear instructions of, I don't need a solution to this. And I was thinking, Mike, you were talking about the conversations that we'll have, you know, as a group of guys on Tuesday nights where we're already being very intentional. It's not just the casual conversation, you know, news, weather, sports, um, you know, it's, it's heart level, it's relational, it's, you know, what are the tough things going on? And it, it was, it was making me reflect on you know, the years that you guys have been part of our journey of, of wanting to have kids. And I mean, we've pretty much exhausted the solutions at this point. And Brooke and I were actually in a zoom call the other day 
And, you know, somebody threw out well-intentioned, well-meaning, very loving, very kind, but just they don't know us. And they threw out one of those, well, have you tried? And I mean, we don't even need to finish the sentence because the answer is yes. Um, And it was just, it was such a kind reminder for me in the moment of how well-intentioned people are. But when you're having some of those deeper conversations, and by the way, it was a woman that offered that suggestion to us. So this is wired deeply, I think, in all of us of when we see people that are in discomfort or crisis or just whatever level of pain, we want to help. And we're really uncomfortable with their pain. And, And it was just it was funny to be reminded in that moment of we all do this. And it was also funny to be reminded of in our conversations with each other just how much I appreciate that as a group, we've also gotten to the point where there are times where we do want to come with something to offer. And there are times I think where we've gotten better than we realize at, I don't really need to offer anything. I can just sit here and nod my head. And at the end of it go, man, that does suck. And nothing else is required. Mm -hmm. And it was cool to go back and listen to that, that first take and just realize those things about, our little group here and about myself. Yeah. And for me, when that person tried to offer a suggestion again, no fully recognized it was well-intentioned, but it along the same lines, it made me think about how, you know, we all want to feel like we have something to offer. Like that's that, you know, when you, when somebody comes to you with their really tough situation or their problem and you want to feel like at the end of it, I helped. Like I had something that was helpful. I said something, I offered a solution. Like we all, there's a, there's a little nugget of, I want to feel like I have something to offer in each of us. But I, for me, especially on the topic of you know, wanting to have children and we don't have children yet. The the most helpful thing that has happened for me in a lot of friendships and conversations is just that the person listened. And I think we don't sometimes realize how important that is and that that is sometimes the best thing we have to offer is that we listen and we don't have to. And I think you guys you guys talked about this the last time, the, you know, you don't have to have the, oh, let me tell you my similar story. Let <laughs> me tell you this thing that helped me in my tough situation. Let me tell, you know, it's just, it's the, the nonverbal, I'm in your corner. I'm here with you for however long this difficult situation is going to be in your life. And, and I'll just be here with you for as long as it takes. That, like the words that haven't been spoken have been, more helpful to me so many more times than the, well, have you tried? Mm-hmm. We have. Thank you so yes. much for yes. offering. At this point, years ago, we, we tried that. <laughs> um, well, not to rewind several episodes at this point, but I think on the part of the listener, it's handling that discomfort, right? You have just shared something that's hard and I think even it's it's harder on the listener's side in, in one way because you shared something that's hard and, and you're like you're going through that you're sitting with that now you just share that and and I have to sit in that now too and it's really uncomfortable to have to like to be in that spot and so then we just like 
words just come out because we want to to alleviate that discomfort that we're now feeling you know without even the full recognition of like okay this has been a years long journey for you guys that you've been sitting with this and you know um and so we just kind of jump to that conclusion to avoid the the discomfort that that uh, we're experiencing in that moment to just fill that space and i think in terms of listening that's a big skill is to be okay with that space mm-hmm. right um that's one of the things that they teach teachers you know which which a lot of us have experience in is is to allow that space and don't feel like you need to jump in or re-explain or whatever right away um because there's there's stuff that's still happening and processing well and i think another thing in it being yes it's going to be uncomfortable to for for some of us for everyone to not offer a a solution or interject something i know in analyzing me as a listener i I, I'm not, it would, it would depend on the situation, but I can come in with a pride issue or a, um, this pressure to, like you guys were saying that you need to come up with an answer. I'm the man I do. But as a friend, I am, I'm, I'm like, well, like getting my feathers all like, okay, here we go. I have to, you know, this person has come to me and they want me to listen. So I now have to, and that that came up for me as well is that really are you being helpful or are you taking it as a i have to do this is on me i've and that really kind of put me in check when i was listening to you guys and and thinking about listening was um where my heart is in it and this is what you guys had said with the intentionality but where my heart is in it and if it's this pride thing like oof well, that's a hard stop because then I really need to come in and and knowing what the what the intent of the conversation is, then that can shift it. But I need to check my heart on um, why I feel the need to do this and mm-hmm. share my thoughts, give wisdom, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I can I can relate to that, Liz, and just feeling like. I have the right answer. Let me give you the the perfect answer or let me fix it for you. I, I know exactly how to do it. Um, and so that's something, again, through my process of becoming a better listener, that even if I think I have the answer that they need, sometimes they don't need that at that moment. So just keeping it to myself. And am I really truly trying to help them or am I trying to feel good like yeah i gave them exactly what they needed and i and i think that's hard also going back to my environment comment is when you're one on one with somebody right when you're one on one with somebody it's almost like you're expected to have that result mm-hmm. that answer right if you're in a group setting and you're just sharing it's easy to just be like oh you know i'm 
I'm just going to listen because that's what this group setting is for, right? Is for us to listen. But no, I, I agree. I agree, Liz. It's harder when somebody comes to you to not feel like, you know, the Wizard of Oz. Like, hey, I got, you know, I got the answer for you. You've come to me. You've traveled to me to express something and I'm going to fix it, right? I'm going to provide that perfect answer. Um, when oftentimes it's no, just nod your head and say, man, that sucks, you know? Right. But And I think that's why, you know, the sort of laying of the ground rules that Brooke and John were talking about is helpful in those situations to know, okay, you're going to say things and then you want, you do want me to, to come back with a response, advice, a solution, whatever it is, or, um, am I just supposed to nod and commiserate, um, and not be looking for my chance to jump into that conversation to, to, um, not even really a conversation at that point, right? Like I'm just listening and I'm here and that that's what this is. And I don't need to actually have, I don't need to be formulating my response as you're, you know, laying out whatever it is. And that's tricky. I think, um, you know, because we're all wired differently. Right. And so, Liz and I are, are two totally different people in conversations. Um, you know, a lot of times she's coming in, uh, just expecting a response. Not even, not even, I don't think, um, based on what the conversation calls for. It's just, that's the way that she carries on a conversation has a, has a discussion is, uh, I say something, you say something. Um, you know, you need to, to give back in a conversation. And, and I am more of a, if there's nothing that I need to offer here, then, then I'm, I'm going to, you know, nod and that's it. Um, which blows my mind, by the way, <laughs> I just, just want to say that, uh, you know, and, and so in, in conversations, we definitely, this week it came up that, uh, after we recorded the first episode on listening, um, you know, that we just have two very different ways of approaching conversation. Uh, and so setting up that environment and, and knowing what the other person is looking for is extremely helpful in those situations, particularly, Mike, like you were saying, on the one-on-one the -on -one, um, and sort of knowing what the other person's expectation is. So along those lines, one of the things that I was wondering was, what you've each noticed about yourself as a listener in different relationships. And so, Tom, you and Liz were just touching on yourselves as listeners within the context of your marriage. And so, I mean, we could start there, but feel free to take it wherever. So, I mean, you as a listener in your marriage, in friendships, at work. Mike, you had talked last episode about being a listener with your children. Uh, and I feel like there's there's a lot there, and I'm just really curious. So we'll take it wherever and weave it together, and with the magic of editing, may even make it sound, you know, more seamless than it actually was. But I'm just really curious. So what comes up with that? Since Brooke said we were we were talking about what good listeners we were in the last episode, I'll talk about how I am a bad listener in this way. I tend to be, and I don't know if this is communication kind of thing. I tend to hear things 
the way I want to hear him before the conversation is coming out. So like Janelle will tell me something and in my mind I will already process like whether that like it's almost like reading a bad text. Like I'll read the text with whatever tone I want, but it's in real life communication, right? She is talking to me, she's telling me something. It could be something as simple as are you going to wear that shirt? And I'm like, what's wrong with the shirt? Is this shirt not, you know, it's, I hear things the way I want to hear things. And oftentimes that can lead to louder conversations that we can listen to. <laughs> Where you have to do more listening. Yes, yes, very much so. I would agree <laughs> that, yes. That Mike is a bad listener in that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that Mike's a bad listener. No. <laughs> I thought we were talking about ourselves. Um, no I think uh, yeah that is one part of our or his listening skills uh, but I think like Liz and Tom mentioned just recognizing you know that we are all wired differently and so yeah when it comes to speaking to each other I think overall for I don't know I guess I'm gonna go to Mike I feel like Mike is I think he is a really good listener, but I, yeah, I think he surprises me because there's moments, there are moments where I'm like, are you listening? And like, he'll repeat exactly what I said back. Um, so like, I know he is, even though I wonder where his mind goes. <laughs> um, but for myself, I do struggle with truly listening and I this is something that we've discussed. Um, you know, if Mike is trying to tell me something, I am guilty of, um, at times, not always, but sometimes my mind just drifts off and in the middle of a sentence or a conversation, uh, I will ask like, did you, um, you know, did you turn off the stove or like just something so random and I need to be better because um, I do want him to feel like I am truly listening and I do feel like I'm listening, but I'm also thinking about something else. I don't know. I'm being very honest right now, but yeah, it's something that I'm working on when it comes to our conversation and, and our conversation time. Um, so yeah, I admit that I I'm still working on being a better listener for Mike. And we've talked about using the uh, the buzzword or the, or the word that John and Brooke go back and forth saying, hey, this is really important. I got to get it out, you know, so I don't forget later. Yes. But it's really hard for me to understand whether or not turning on the oven is on that level of importance that deserves <laughs> the interruption or the break, right? So we're, we're working on it, right? It's, it's I, I wonder if how much of listening, you know, it, it does tie into just straight communication, right? And mm -hmm. how, how you are being heard and how you're being like recognized as you are you know, describing your feelings or as you're describing something. Um, one of the other things that I've struggled with in when it comes to how I speak, um, I, it takes a lot of me to get together my thought process because I do so much inside my head that I, I tend to hop in the middle of a conversation when Janelle hasn't heard the first part of the conversation because it's been in my head. And so oftentimes when I'm telling her the story, she's still trying to catch up. And I feel like, you're not listening to me. And she's like, well, you're not telling me from the like, whole. <laughs> who are you talking about? Like you keep saying he and, and she. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I'm like, about. oh, sorry. I I thought half of the story in my head before I 
you know, jumped right out into the conversation. So I think that's that's something that we've been most working about is is this communicating, right? And and how I tend to think it's not listening, but it's it's truly my fault on how I I don't know, talk. I communicate yeah, so communicate it. Yeah. It makes me feel better to hear you say that, Mike, because um I don't know how many times I will start talking to John and he'll look at me and I'm like, Oh, you mean you weren't in my head with me just now? <laughs> Let me catch you up. You do it too? Like, oh, I I I do it a lot. Nice. And and it's not even it's not even like I expect him. It's just like I've been in my head and then I just start talking and it's like Oh, yeah, you weren't along on the ride for me. Let me let me fill you in so now you can catch up to where I am and then we can move forward together. So yeah. I got to be honest, though, the competitive side of me that again, I'm, I'm long since graduated from competitive sports. But that little piece of me that likes to, like, you know, come through in the clutch. <laughs> I love being able to correctly interpret the middle of the story that I'm getting. <laughs> Oh, and he does it correctly good. often. That's like, I love it. Like, he'll he'll just, I'll be like, like, Janelle, like you said, I'll just start with a pronoun. And he'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He'll know the situation. I'm just like, how'd you do that? And he's like, because I know you. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, you, we've, we've been together for a while. You, you've, you've been around. So. You figured it out. Kobe. <laughs> Well, Janelle, I totally agree with you on the struggle of thinking about other things. And I'd love to be able to blame it on, oh, I've got kids or I'm homeschooling or I have what I have a dog. I'd love one of those to be the excuses. But the reality is no matter what, if it was just Tom and me on a date or I was in a room full of 50 people, I still would get, I, I, I have to choose to be engaged yes. because, and this is where, where God's pressing in on me this whole year of being present in what's going on, which obviously fits in with listening. Uh, because I'm thinking about the next thing I need to do. Did I did did I turn the oven off? Uh, wait. Okay. This is this is happening over here. I need to get this. And then wait. I'm sorry. What did you say again? And then I'm. It, it's the multitasking. Um, so it it's a a huge struggle. And I'm not even a phone person to get distracted by. Yeah. Uh, little pings and things like that. Um, so. It, it could be that, or I get hyper-focused on what do I need to say? What is required of me? Uh, what Was I listening? Did I, did I hear what John just said? Because, oh, wait, maybe he meant last year and not this year. Oh, no. And then, I, then I'm totally gone because I'm trying to catch up on, was it last year or this year? Oh, no, now I have to stop him. And... <laughs> oh, man, so. Liz sounds so much like my thoughts <laughs> I'm, it's it's comforting to know that I'm not alone you know because I do feel bad I will say like one of the things that I'm sure we all want to feel is heard and I do feel like I don't want to hurt Mike's feelings because my mind drifts off um, and so again it you said it being present being intentional 
um, choosing to be fully engaged. And so, again, I, I know that's something that I need to continue to work on. Well, and that's not to say that those thoughts don't have validity as they are popping into your head, right? But I think this is definitely a weakness for me in the, the way that we already talked about uh, Liz and I having uh, conversations differently is my lack of words tends to show up to her as not being engaged. And so I'm not taking into account how the speaker is perceiving my listening and and negatively affecting the conversation in that way because even if I am listening and I you know am formulating a response or don't feel like there that I need to offer something in that moment um, you know giving off the impression that I'm not listening is just as impactful to the message that she's trying to get across um, and, and like I said it's definitely something that that I struggle with particularly John to go back kind of to your original, um, question, particularly in our relationship, I think. And, and that kind of boggles my mind a little bit that I am a different listener in different relationships. Um, but I think particularly on the friendship level, um, that I, I would come across as a better listener in most situations. And I think some of that just comes down to, um, there being less weight in those relationships and in those conversations. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that's a, a fear of failure or not being able to come through thing um, and just, you know, responding differently or locking up in, in different conversations. Um, but yeah, I think I would definitely be a different listener in, in different scenarios. Well, and do you think that, it depends on how you view yourself in it. Like, let's say if you're talking to uh, someone at work that is uh, you're in leadership to you, that you would listen differently. Or when you're talking to kids, you listen differently because of where you are uh, in not level, but, um, the pecking order. (laughs) No, but I'm wondering for people if that, that has an effect on how you, how you're entering is, are we on level playing field? Do I have to know the answer because I'm older or because I'm in leadership or I'm just going to listen to whatever you have to say and do it. I, I can't offer a response because you're above me. And so, yeah. I, I'm just going to do what you say. So I'm just thinking that I don't know for you guys, if that plays, uh, has an impact, but I think it might. I actually really want to hear Brooke's response. Cause I feel like oftentimes like with, with your line of work with the kids and everything, when they're coming to you, they're coming to you with the expectation that you're going to listen to them. And sometimes it is for a response and sometimes it's not. So I think you often get put in that position of both of those, right? Leadership, uh, you know, you're dealing with high school kids. So it's, it's, it's almost like a situation where they're coming to you for that mentorship and that guidance. So you almost position yourself ready to receive that, right? And I think that's something you, I don't know if you get trained to do or that's something that's just, uh, hey, 
throw you in the fire and figure it out. <laughs> well, I think luckily I had 14 years as a public school teacher before I entered student ministries. And honestly, that prepared me far more than I had ever expected it to. Um, but, you know, there, kids are coming to me for all kinds of different conversations. And so the ones that are coming to me with the, hey, I really need to talk to you about this issue that's going on at home. Man, I am honed in. I am focused. I can tune. Ev- like We can be in the middle of, like, you know, the student ministry hang space where they're shooting baskets and they're playing gaga ball and they're having conversations and music's playing. And I am zeroed in on this child, eye contact, focused, and having this great conversation with them. Um, and then there's also the student that wants to come up and show me the video on their phone of their cat. And I'm, I, I want to be as invested. I do because the thing is, if I listen to that student and I pay attention to their cat video, then that student is going to come back when they have the serious thing that's going on in their life. And they're going to know that I will listen because I was there for the little things, the fun things, the, you know, not so important things. And so I really do try as hard as I can to give that conversation just as much focus and attention as I do to the one where, you know, home is blowing up and I don't know what to do and I can't figure this out. But it's definitely harder to listen to the oh, yeah, that's a really great video game. I have no idea how to play it, but it seems really fun. And sure, I'll talk to you about, uh, like, I just, I don't, I don't want to, but I know that if I invest the time now in that, the payout later for that relationship with that student is going to, I mean, it's just, you, you can't, you can't get there any other way than to listen to the, the silly, what seems like trivial things to me. But to that 13-year-old, that is the most important thing right now. Yeah. And I was realizing that was one of the things that I felt like I mishandled in our first conversation together on this topic was in trying to talk about the conversations where listening doesn't matter. You know, it, it felt like I was saying that listening doesn't matter as much in some conversations and in other conversations it does. And as we were sitting together listening to that first episode, we had the conversation of, you know, if I matter to you, my words matter to you, you know, period, full stop. And so even if it is a casual conversation that I don't need to perform in, and I may not even necessarily need to remember for much more than the five minutes that that conversation took, like my level of intentionality needs to be the same because you matter to me. And so whether that's my spouse or whether that's my friend or whether that's my colleague or whether that's my student, that I, I, and again, I, I still don't do this well, but I try to be as intentional as possible, regardless of the conversation, because if you matter to me, your words matter to me. And that doesn't necessarily mean I need to perform. And it doesn't necessarily need to mean, mean that I mean that I need to remember, but I need to let you know that I care because I feel like listening has compounding value in a relationship. And if you give the impression, like you were saying, love, that that you don't care in some conversations, you rarely get to have those deeper ones outside of that family space. And in that family space, I feel like if you give the impression that sometimes your words don't matter, it makes those more difficult conversations or those deeper conversations even trickier to navigate because now there's that extra level of tension and confusion and misunderstanding of, 
just just how much do you care right now? I love that statement. So just the, the if you matter, like you, your words matter. I mean, that's just awesome. That's just something that tool tool belt putting it in there. <laughs> Brooke gets Mike. full credit for that one. <laughs> no, because I think going to put that on a on a pillow. Yeah, it's going to be. I'm going to It's going on. It's cross stitch. There we go. Everyone gets one. Yes. No, I think that's important because I think one of the things that we've as we continue to talk about how we show improvements in listening and how we become better listeners. One of the things that you know we continue to try to do as you know dad and mom is to model that behavior not only for our kids but also to try to instill that. And that's something we do like you know around the dinner table when we're all telling our highs and lows. Oftentimes we have to tell Kellen, hey dude, like listen to your brother. What did your brother just say? You know, well he's gonna say that well listen to him. And we've gone to the point now where Silas who has no more words besides mama, dada, and dog that he is – we're going to listen to him. Hey, what is your highs? And he's starting to say highs, and then it's a bunch of babble, but everybody at the table is focused <laughs> and listening to exactly what his thing was. And it's it's important to show that, hey, you know, we, we're listening to you, right? And we also want our kids to do that. For their siblings, right? To look mm-hmm. at their to look at their siblings and to to know that, hey, you know, you mean just as much, you know, to me as your brother as you as as mom and dad do when they're talking to me, right? Yeah. I think you said like just being able to model that for them. Um, but I love how, you know, Brooke mentioned and um just you're setting up this foundation of like trust and this place where, you know, I think of the boys and how hard it can be sometimes <laughs> when they want to show me something, you know, in the middle of me, you know, like doing a chore and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, bud. And, um, and so I think something that Mike and I just, we've, we've said that same thing. Like we need to be, We need to make sure that we are listening to these, you know, smaller stories because as they get older, I want them to know that we are here to listen to those bigger stories, you know, and as they, you know, become teenagers, um, (laughs) you know, I want them to feel like mom and dad, they'll listen to me because, you know, they they always have or they you know even when it was something so silly and small um so that yeah so that i want them to feel comfortable coming to us with those bigger things well and that is something i actually really love about children is that they will they demand your focus like you know like if i if we were all sitting around a table having dinner or whatever and i was and you know i said hey janelle and janelle could still be focused on her food cutting up the meat right and i know that janelle is still listening to me because like that's how conversations go if you are not making direct eye contact and turning your face toward the child who is trying to speak to you they will just mom 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 And then you have, and once you look and they see that you're focused in, then they're like, oh, okay, now I can continue with what I wanted to say. And honestly, I think they have it right. Yeah. Because they're not going to let you multitask. Yeah. They're not going to let you continue to do the thing that you're doing because they want your undivided attention. Mm -hmm. And then they know you're listening. I really think, you know, it's the everything I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten thing. You know, like it, I, I think kids... They know way better than we do, I think, sometimes. I agree. I agree. There's something about the eye contact 
like that makes such a big difference with kids but like you said I think with adults too like I I feel like when I have someone's eyes like I I think that's when I feel the most heard or like when I feel like and they might not be truly listening to me I don't know maybe they are but when you are staring and you know like not in a creepy way, but like <laughs> <laughs> important to clarify. Yes, yeah. um, the eye contact. I think that's such a big, that's such a big piece, and I think you don't. I don't know. It's a, is it just me? I feel like not very many people make good eye contact. Like I'm guilty of it as well. Like I can be like looking off and like thinking, or like even I don't know. It's just not very often that making making eye contact is very it's very intimate yeah if you if you hold someone's gaze for a while even while you're talking that's a very vulnerable vulnerable place to be for you as the speaker for you as the listener and I think that's why Janelle I think that's why we kind of dart our gaze around even if we are intentionally trying to listen because when you really lock eyes with somebody like you're in it yeah. For whatever, even if it's it, even if it feels like more of a trivial conversation, mm-hmm. there's something about that that, it, that that's intimacy. It really does. I remember. I know this is random. I'm like, I remember like one of the first times, and I was a teenager, so I guess maybe it was just that age. Like I was becoming more aware, and I was having a conversation with a friend, and like she was just very like intentional with like making eye contact and as I was speaking to her I was like why is she staring at me but like (laughs) but I felt like she was truly listening and I don't know why that moment or that friend really sticks out to me but I remember thinking I want people to feel when when they're speaking to me I want them to feel how she made me feel um and I guess it was just that she was truly listening well, and I think knowing those things about each other is really valuable too, especially for those intimate relationships that we do have. Knowing, I mean, Brooke, you're phenomenal at this, like knowing how other people hear you or knowing how other people listen has proven to be an invaluable skill um, and just sort of, you know, tool in the tool belt kind of thing. But like you, you've been so good at noticing that as much as I think I can multitask, that if I'm finishing up an email or shooting off a text message, you'll frequently notice that I'm doing that and stop the question that you are about to ask me and say, you know, go ahead and finish up and then I'll ask you. And then like my first instinct is, well, no, I'll stop what I'm doing. And you're like, no, no, no. Like what you're doing is important. Go ahead and finish it. And then I'll also then be able to have your full attention. And, And so you know that about me, that I think I can multitask, but I really can't. And so rather than putting me in that position of, you know, engaging me in conversation, knowing that I'm not going to be able to reciprocate, like, you're very kind in offering me the chance to do the thing I'm doing. And you've done this with other people as well, like people that we work with. You know that some of them are very, like, detail-oriented. Give me the summary and then if you want to add the details, then do it. But if you start at the beginning and I don't get the main idea until the end, like you've lost me. And so you're so good at, I know that this person needs to hear like the thesis statement first and then all the other stuff. Whereas this other person, I can just start at the beginning and they'll stay with me through the end. 
And I've, I've really come to appreciate that about you as a thing that I can continue to get better out of the people that I'm close. Cause you can't do this for everybody. Obviously you'd go crazy, but for the people that you're closest with, I mean, you can, you can become a student of them. And even as we develop our communication skills and our listening skills, we can get better at identifying how the people we love listen and help them be better listeners. Well, I think you might be giving me a little too much credit on that one. Not at all. Well, thank you. But I think part of that is to save me because I'm an introvert whose words cost me a lot. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of have, I think it may be something that I've developed so that I know how many words is it going to take me (laughs) to have a conversation with this person. And this is something that some of you may not actually know is I, as a child, I developed a stutter because I was interrupted so often that I tried to talk so quickly to get all of my words out before somebody would interrupt me that it, it became a stuttering issue until I I don't even know how I realized what it was or what was causing it, but I just finally decided to slow down my speaking. And if I got interrupted, then that person didn't get to hear all of my words and, you know, probably a loss for both of us because that conversation didn't go the way that it could have. But so thank you. But I think part of that is a little bit of me trying to save my little introvert heart from crying out. But I think it's okay if it's self-serving because we want to be heard. And so if we can do things to make sure that we're heard, that sounds like time well spent. Well, we definitely want to thank the ladies for coming on and uh, joining the conversation. Um, Like we said at the beginning, it just felt like uh, three dudes sitting around a microphone talking about how good of listeners we were was we probably needed a different perspective on that. Um, And so I, I think I think this definitely rounded out the conversation very well um so uh, once again hit us up on our our facebook group we are strong towers to join in the conversation let us know what you uh your experience has been with listening or or how you are working on becoming a better listener um the the way you listen in different situations and just things you've picked up along the way and we will see you back here for the next strong towers podcast Before you go, we just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for being a part of the conversation and taking on this journey with us. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and throw us a like or write a review. All of that helps other people find our show. If you're looking for more, head over to our website, strong-towers.com, and sign up to receive notifications whenever we release new content. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at strong underscore towers. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, We Are Strong Towers to keep the conversation going throughout the week. If you want to support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash strongtowers for your chance to score some Strong Tower swag and get access to exclusive content. We appreciate y'all, and we'll see you back here real soon.